Yeah, I guess I personally, I don't stress much about organic. So I haven't noticed that there's like different variations of that label. Um, but I, I guess also because I don't stress much about it, I'm curious... I, I feel like organic has that implication of it's healthier to eat and it's better for like the environment. Mm-hmm. Is it actually any like healthier, safer? It, like what are actual benefits to eating organic? To be perfectly honest, the only benefit is it makes you feel better about yourself. Hey guys, before the episode starts, I'd like to give a quick thanks to all my supporters. Uh, it's greatly appreciated that anyone who, who listens to this podcast supports it. It's it's, it's very uh, nice to know that people are willing to help out with this and that they see it to be something worth investing in. Uh, right now, it's just faith. Uh, thank you again, whoever you in, you are, um, for for you know donating to this podcast. It's by no means an obligation, so anyone listening to this, don't feel like you need to give me any, any kind of financial support for this. Um, any, any is appreciated, but again, I'm not going to ask that of you guys. I don't like to ask you guys to pay for a, a product like this. It's just something that I like to do for fun, so... Um, yeah, definitely not required, but but greatly appreciate when it is. I also like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Anchor. Uh, there will be an ad for that halfway through. Um, but again, just thank all of you for so much for for tuning in every episode and and just giving your your undivided attention and, and support, and it means so much to me. So thank all of you, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, a podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and today's episode, we're going to be talking all about food labeling. Now, I know this is a concept that we've talked about in episodes in our first season, but we haven't really had an in-depth conversation with somebody about it that wasn't from agriculture. And so today, we're going to change that. As I'm sure all of you remember from our previous episode, uh, it seems like a while ago now, um, we had Joanne from the Turtle Sack on here to talk to us about a variety of different ag topics that she was curious about, and she has joined us once again. So Joanne, why don't you uh, remind the audience who you are? Yeah, so my name is Joanne. I'm from the podcast The Turtle Stack, where I interview different people about different interests that they have, even though I don't know much about them, just kind of trying to expand my horizons. Um, I've had Brendan on there twice now, once talking about agriculture and once about Star Wars. Um, And yeah, it's been a fun experience and I am really excited to be back here. Well, it's happy. Uh, we're happy to have you. And uh, it's, it's also kind of funny that we just had that conversation about Star Wars because uh, last week's episode was all about Star Wars and agriculture and how those two can can be tied together in more ways than people tend to think about. So it's always fun. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you a bit more about food labels, because one of the things that came up in our last conversation was how food labeling is one of like the big struggles that agriculturists are dealing with today. You know, they need to have certain labels, certain trendy things. And I'm kind of curious about what it takes for them to get those labels, what those labels actually mean versus what they're implying. So I'm excited Hmm. to learn more. So labels are always one of the most interesting topics, I think, to talk about just because of how they really should be a controversial topic and they're not. And, And that's always confusing to me. Like if people knew what the labels were actually for and, and what they actually meant, I think that it would kind of make them want to pull their hair out a little bit just because of, of kind of the ridiculousness of the situation. But yeah, we'll get into all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, we're happy to have you back where, you know, it's always a pleasure to have, you know, these, these conversations with people who are actually interested in learning more about this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, like, like Joanne said, we're going to be talking about labels, uh, kind of some of the misconceptions around them, what, what the issue is with labels and what some of them mean, um, the process through which the labels get approved and all that kind of stuff. And we have a couple other topics we might be touching on along the way, because as you guys know, I have the attention span of a squirrel and we're probably not going to get through everything. <laughs> that can happen. I'm, I'm right there with you. So we will, we'll chase those nuts together, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. All right. So starting off with the label thing, um, in particular, were there any labels that you have seen that you're more curious or to, to, that you want to learn more about or uh, that you maybe don't know what they are, or what they mean or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's obviously there's a bunch of them out there. Um, but one of the first ones that I think 
should be fairly self-explanatory, but isn't, is when it comes to eggs, you'll see cage-free or free-range, or I think Mm -hmm. pasture-raised. Like, what does that actually mean? Are any of those actually any better for the chickens? So the the cage free, free range, pasture raised, you know, all those different types of labels uh, typically refer to animals. And like I said, it's fairly self-explanatory. They're they're referred to animals that are raised in um, open areas. Um, So in the agriculture industry, we have what's called CAFOs and AFOs. So so AFOs are animal feeding operations and CAFOs are confined animal feeding operations. Um, fairly self-explanatory basically one is just you have animals in a confined space and the other one you have them out roaming you know the countryside doing whatever they want to do the 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 problem i have with them is that the uh measurements on what considers them a kfo are kind of ambiguous like we don't really know exactly what the measurements need to be of the fencing for it to be considered a confined operation it's kind of just if they're out in a pasture then they are uh, the the or they're free range. If they're in a cage, they're not free range. Hmm. As far as how good that is for the actual animal, we haven't really seen any any results that show that it's any better for them. the The product doesn't seem to be any different. Um, there there's some people that suggest that maybe it's better for their stress, but there hasn't been a whole lot to suggest that either because their stress usually isn't associated with them being being in a cage. It's more associated with the environmental aspects that impact them while they're in that cage. And so, yes, it may it may seem a little cruel to stick them in a cage, but in, in reality, it's for their own safety. Um, the poultry industry, the pork industry are two of the most heavily uh, biosecure industries. And so, like, if you go to like a like a um, like a foster farms, for example, if you want to go into like their entire like poultry uh, like barn, you have to like strip down, take a shower, wear their clothes inside the facility. Uh, you can't touch anything. You can't do certain things. You can't see certain things just because like it's so biosecure in there. They don't want to risk anything getting out because avian, you know, obviously like avians are, are some of the, the biggest contractors of certain diseases. So they have to keep them in those confined areas to keep them safe from, from possible diseases that could be spread to other animals. And so that's, that's kind of the, the reason behind not having them cage free. Um, but as far as the label goes, it's basically just referring to how they're raised and, and no, it doesn't really have a direct impact on the quality of the food itself. Okay. So there's, there's no real quality of life or, um, like set standard for what any of those words, like a, a chicken could be pasture, pasture or free range. And it's like, okay, we have a thousand chickens in this 10 by 10 outdoor thing. Or it could be cage and like each chicken has its own like five by five indoor coop. Like there's no, there's no set regulation on like, it needs to be one chicken per three square feet of space or anything like that involved. Uh, there are, there are some regulations on that kind of stuff, but again, it depends on the area. It depends on the, the type of operation. It depends on the state even. Um, so the regulations on that kind of stuff are kind of, of not super clear. Like in California, for example, we have a proposition called uh, it's Prop 12, and it requires animals to be a certain space away from each other in a, in a confined uh, area to be considered uh, safe and healthy, where they have to have a, a certain a certain proximity on their on their enclosed area that en- enables them to stand up and turn around and do all this kind of stuff. Well, we have numbers for those things, and we have some numbers like like it's, it's recommended that you have uh, one cow per acre if you have uh, cows out on pasture land. That's for a very different operation than what we see in like dairies and what we see on like like beef feeding operations. So there's so many different specifications on what it has to be uh, considered for it to be like you know pasture raised or whatever. It's it's not really clear what the what the regulations are on how many head per you know how many square feet or whatever that 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 could be. Okay, from the um from like the farmers and the agriculturist perspective, is there a big like selling or marketing difference? Like, has there been a push to, well, if I don't put cage free on my crate of eggs, I sell half as many or like, have people actually had to like change anything because of these? Yes and no. Um, that, that kind of falls into one of the misconceptions surrounding the labels. The farmers don't actually choose what labels go on their food. Uh, 
Yeah, and that that tends to be a, a thing that people tend to not realize. Once the once the food leaves the farm, they have no control over over what's put on it or what is you know how it's affected. Basically, it's it's their responsibility up until the door, and then it's gone. Um, so some farms that market their own product will they'll market it that you know these these eggs were were from a, a pasture raised chickens or whatever and they'll sell their own eggs through their own back door but if they sell it to like a retailer like if you buy it in the grocery store the farmer's not the one that chose to have that label on there usually it was some some company that bought the eggs from that farmer and decided to package it and market it and do all this kind of stuff and and sell it to the consumer that way and um, so there's really no advantage to the farmer by having that label on there actually it causes causes a bit of a disadvantage to the farmer because it creates this false perception that you know, if this one is cage free and this one's not, then that means that this one, uh, you know, like it, let's say you have like, you know, uh, egg A and egg B. If mm-hmm. egg B says it has a cage free label on it, you probably assume that cage, the AA, egg A was raised in a cage, right? Like that's just kind of the logical assumption. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. that's absolutely. And I've, I've had that debate in my own head when I go to buy eggs. Like mm-hmm. I, I buy the ones that say cage free on them because I'm like, well, it's not worse, like whether or not it's actually a big difference. It's, it's at least something, but right. I guess yes. I'm not that surprised to hear that it's more marketing ploy than anything else. Pretty much. And that's, you'll find that to be the case with a lot of the labels we'll, we'll be talking about today. But the other thing too, is maybe the eggs from egg a aren't, it's not that they're not cage free. It's just that they didn't market themselves as cage free. Mm-hmm. And because that's the big thing too is the labels aren't federally inspected and they're not required by any means the only labels that's required are are organic labels anything else antibiotic free hormone free uh, gmo free any of that kind of stuff those aren't required by law to be on there and they're not required by law to not be on there and so it's difficult to say you know what is what's accurate and what's not just because something doesn't have a label on it so if you have two eggs and one says cage free and the other one doesn't doesn't mean that the one that doesn't isn't cage free. It just means that you think it's not cage free. And so it creates this, this false perception about it. Um, In reality, it could just been the company that was, that was marketing. It didn't want to spend the money on putting the label on it. And so they didn't. And it creates this, this shift in the market now that requires them to have that label just because it's, it's basically it's moral marketing. Like they're, they're marketing towards a person because they think it's going to make them feel better than actually having an impact on the, on the product itself. Yeah. Well, I definitely remember a bit of that. Like a few years ago, it was no trans fat was the big mm-hmm. thing to like stick on absolutely everything. Um, and they'd put that label on things that didn't have trans fat in them to begin with. Mm-hmm. But now it starts making you assume that the competitive one or the competitor has trans fat and all of that. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's just kind of the flow of things. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the I don't necessarily want to call it the scam, but that's kind of that's that's the misconception of marketing is that there, there's no one telling them they can't, so they might as well. And it's 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 all it's it's called lifestyle branding. It's a form of marketing that's based around uh, attracting people that live a, a specific lifestyle or have a specific set of morals instead of telling them what's what's accurate about the about the product it's not that what they're saying is a lie it's just that it's it's creating a false perception about what's true yeah so you said one of the few things that actually is regulated is the organic label and that was another one on my list Mm -hmm. so what does that organic label mean and what do farmers need to do to like accomplish it so organic is one of the few, like I said, it's, it's, it's the only label that is actually required to be, um, it goes through a regulatory process to actually be on the fruit. So, or on the food. So it, it definitely, uh, that one is not telling lies by any means. And not, like I said, not, not that any of these labels are telling lies, but that one is not creating false uh, perceptions of things. Organic food, um, if it has that label on there, it means that the food that is in that product or, or if the product is the fruit itself, it was grown organically, meaning it wasn't uh, it wasn't sprayed with uh, synthetic pesticides. There's no genetic modification going on. There is no chemical fertilizers. The, all of the all of the methods used to grow that food were uh, considered organic methods by the by the, the national government or the federal government. I mean, um, so basically, they send like an agent out, and it's usually from the USDA or the United States Department of Agriculture. That agent goes to a certain field. And they run a bunch of tests. They test They test the soil. They test the, the crops. They test the water. They test all these different things. They test the seed supply. 
And if they inspect anything that's not organic, then they uh, say, sorry, you can't be certified to be organic. You're still conventional. It actually takes about three years, um, I think, or maybe it's more to convert from a conventional operation to an organic one. Even if you stop using pesticides, just cold turkey, like one year, you just don't spray them anymore. It still takes three years to get all of that stuff out of the system of the of the land for it to be considered uh, certified to be organic. And so there's a lot of hoops that organic farmers have to jump through to get their certification, but the payoff is pretty big. If, if, if a farmer can't afford to grow organically, because it's usually a pretty big risk because you don't even know if it's going to work because organic crops are a lot harder to keep alive than conventional crops. If it gets to the market, the farmer tends to make more money on that food. Um, and, and But the, the, the misconception with it is that those labels are somewhat misleading in terms of, of what they mean by organic. Yes, it means that they are grown organically, but you see, you, you see some labels that say, um, you know, 100% organic, some labels that say just organic, some labels that say may contain organic products or, you know, whatever. Those are different types of labels and, and they have small writing, so you don't pick up on it, but they, they have different meanings. They're not just all organic or all non-organic. There's, there's some gray areas in there too. Huh. Yeah, I guess I personally, I don't stress much about organic, so I haven't noticed that there's like different variations of that label. Um, but I, I guess also because I don't stress much about it, I'm curious. I, I feel like organic has that implication of it's healthier to eat and it's better for like the environment. Mm-hmm. Is it actually any like healthier, safer? It, like what are actual benefits to eating organic? To be perfectly honest, the only benefit is it makes you feel better about yourself. <laughs> That's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that's about it. And like, I, I don't, I don't say that to be like, you know, anyone who eats organic is stupid. If you want to eat organic, that's entirely, you know, your choice. I don't, I don't condone or not condone. What's where I'm looking for. I don't condemn organic, uh, you know, organic people. You know, I, I have quite a few friends who actually grow organic farms, but the thing that's ironic, ironic about it is that people tend to think if they're buying organic, that they're buying it f- from some locally grown, you know, small organic family farm. And that's not always the case. Usually somebody who has an organic field has a conventional field right down the road and they just don't spray that field with, with the same stuff they spray their conventional field with. So it's usually farmers who are already growing other stuff. They're just growing an organic farm on the side because they can afford it and it'll make them some, some good side money. Um, okay. There's never been any evidence to suggest that organic food is any healthier for you. It's any safer for the environment. There's actually been a significant amount of evidence to suggest that um, in many ways, conventional farming is actually better in in some ways for the environment and worse in others. Um, that conventional agriculture actually can have better impacts on nutritional content, and sometimes it's, it's no different at all. Um, that's not to say organic is any worse for you. It's just kind of they're either the same or or conventional is slightly better in some ways. It kind of just depends on, on what crop you're talking about. Huh. That's I I I feel like I've probably heard that they're comparably the same. I don't think I've mm-hmm. ever heard that. Um, non-organic may actually be like healthier or have some benefits. Um, yeah. And, I, and the I reason... would think that the push for organic, I would guess has somewhat improved some of like the pesticides and techniques to actually be healthier and safer because they, they want to counteract that bad publicity of like pesticides is a scary word, right? Like people hear, mm-hmm. Oh, you're spraying pesticides and we're immediately like, Oh no, you're going to kill the bugs and that'll kill the bunnies. And, Nobody wants dead bunnies. Um, So I I would hope that at the very least, it's maybe pushed some of the practices that are in place to be a little bit safer or not, not really. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, it definitely has. Um, We've seen a dramatic shift in the organic market uh, over the past, I don't know, 10 years, maybe, maybe longer. I'm not sure. Um, This, this niche in the market for organic being so desirable by people who don't realize that there's really not that much, if, if any difference at all. And like I said, it's very, very specific instances that conventional can be better than organic. And usually it's not nutrition. It's usually like, there's not much of, of any difference between the nutritional content of of either of them. It's usually in, in how long the crops can survive and, and how productive the crops can be. Organic crops just tend to not produce as much and they tend to die a lot easier. But like you said, because there's been such a push towards having more organic food in the market, a lot of scientists, a lot of farmers, a lot of, you know, uh, just people who are involved in, in the organic industry in general 
have come up with new ways of growing organic food that are still natural, still uphold the the certification requirements, but also more productively viable for the the organic crops. It's never going to replace conventional. It just it can't. You know, there, there's no way we can produce enough food with organic farming to replace conventional completely. But it's well, becoming more it. and more viable. What was that? I said I couldn't afford it. Organic food is always <laughs> like three times as expensive as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, and I, I don't know yeah. if you kind of mentioned it there, but I feel like tied with organic, the other label that you'll see a lot is all natural. Mm-hmm. Does, does all natural mean anything? No, not at all. Okay. I've, that's <laughs> always bothered me. Cause like ever to, to me, everything is natural. Like even, even when you produce it, it started off natural at some point. Right. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it's like not being grown in a lab. It's like your food is made out of chemicals. Like chemicals are what exists. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, we're not making like, it's not like the food is made out of, you know, just like cell, you know, cultures in a lab or anything like that. Like it's, it's all grown in the field. It's all grown. Like the all natural label is kind of supposed to be like, like a fake organic label. Like it's supposed to make you think it's organic, but it doesn't have to be certified to be organic. Okay. Um, and that causes some misconceptions. People are like, oh, you know, this is all natural. So why should I buy this this thing that's not all natural? Well, it's all all natural. It's just what you prefer to believe is, is all natural versus what's not. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> so another um, label that I'll see a lot is something will be marked as like free, reduced or not added. So like in the case of sugar, like something mm-hmm. will say sugar free, reduced sugar or no sugar added. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do those different stages actually imply? I'm not particularly sure that there's any difference between those specific labels. Uh, there might be. It might be the the amount of sugar that's present in that product. Um, what I can say though is, what that means is that, that those sugars are not because obviously every food is going to have sugar in it. It all comes from organic material, and or and organic material needs sugar to survive. So when something is sugar-free, it doesn't have zero sugar in it. It has zero added sugar in it. And that's the trick is that people tend to not realize that most foods have sugars added to them. I mean, obviously not like produce, but like snacks, you know, like snacky foods and, and like pre-made foods and stuff like that. Right. They have sugars added to them for just for quality purposes. Um, and if, it, if something says it's sugar-free, it just doesn't have any of those artificial sugars added to it. Um, sometimes they're not even artificial. Sometimes they're natural sugars added to it as well. Um, but if you see one of those labels that says sugar free or, or no added sugar or like, you know, less sugar or whatever, it just means that they, it doesn't have any less sugar than it naturally would. It just doesn't have any sugar added to it that it it normally wouldn't have as part of the natural product. Okay. You know, I kind of, I'm kind of starting to feel like this could have been a three minute episode where you just tell me none of these labels mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's essentially when you said you want to talk about labels, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a quick one. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think that that's kind of like what makes it interesting is like, there's Mm -hmm. all of these things that people get scared of and people think they're important. And it's interesting to learn firsthand, like what they mean, what they imply. Um, Cause again, you, you go online and you'll read one article that's like, this is the most important thing in the world. And you'll read another that says it's all bogus and nobody's Mm -hmm. actually listening to people in the industry. Right. Um, yeah. No, if you actually look at like the, the steps, the steps to um, the steps to verification for a lot of labels, there's not very many for most of them. There's like I said, organic is one of the few that requires some kind of verification by the by the federal government. Most of the other ones are approved by organizations that are not federally funded or, or that are not officially verified. And so they're not real labels. And not, that's not to say they don't mean anything. They just don't they, they, they don't mean what people think that they mean. And that's why the, the conversation is so important. Like whenever I go shopping, I don't even look at labels. I look at price. I look at what it, what it is. And that's about it. Like if something's organic or something's not organic, I usually pick the not organic one just because it's cheaper. But if the organic one's the only thing that's left, I'm not going to not buy it just because I need it. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Is there is there anything that you like do look at or take into consideration besides like price and necessity basically um i mean like not like i think of like local farmers or like is the the local 
the locally grown label is, is another one that's kind of talked about a lot. And the locally grown label is also a bit of a misconception. It doesn't mean that it was grown right around the corner. It could mean it was grown like it depends on the state. Different states have different regulations on what locally grown means, but it usually means within a certain proximity of the um, of the retailer. And it's usually associated with how far that food has to travel to get there, not how far away the operation is. Um, so there's some misconceptions about what locally grown actually means. I'm all for supporting local farmers just because that's, you know, I, I grew up from a, from a small farm town. So local farmers are kind of like my, you know, like they're my favorite person to, to support, but mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily look for locally grown food all the time, just because I know that it's not always going to be locally grown, quote unquote, you know, in terms of it was grown here in, in like I'm living in Fresno. It, it wasn't grown in Fresno. I've been grown in, in, I don't know, Lemoore, and it, they just shipped it over here, but it's considered locally grown because it's within like 500 miles or whatever. Yeah. I guess locally grown also does not necessarily mean a small farm either, which is kind of right. the other implication is that like, oh, locally grown, I'm supporting a a small mom and pop that had mm-hmm. to hire one helping hand. And like, no, if, you, if you've got a big farm right across the street, you're, it's just a big farm, like... Yeah, no, exactly. And that's another point that I, I meant to bring up. I forgot about. Yeah, no, locally grown doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be a, a small family farm. And that's the other thing, too. Family farms don't have to be small. You know, yeah, we have like the like the mom and pop, you know, uh, farms where they have to hire one person, which we always want to support those because they need our help. But people always talk about how like they don't want large factory farms. They, they want to support like like family farms. Well, 98 percent of the farms in the country are family farms. It's just that family farms are getting bigger and bigger by the day. Oh, I mean, that's actually, I like that. That, that <laughs> seems like a good thing. It is. And that's, that's why people always, you know, they talk, they talk about like, let's have less fa- factory farming. Let's not have any corporate farm, you know, corporately owned farms. And I always have to try to tell them like, guys, I don't think you get it. The corporate, the corporations are buying the food from the family farms. The family farms aren't owned by the corporations. It's the other way around pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you kind of just shattered my world a little bit because <laughs> I suddenly have the realization that everybody wants to support small business, mm-hmm. but then once that small business is too successful because you supported them, now we don't want to support you anymore because you're big <laughs> business and down with big business. It's like you need this happy medium where it's like, okay, we want to support you, but don't get too popular. <laughs> right yeah it's just like a matter of like like where where do we draw the line of you know i want to support this family farm but you know all of their burgers go to mcdonald's and mcdonald's is a corporation so i don't want to support them anymore it's like well how does that make any sense they're still a family farm you know yeah yeah like we're supporting them so that they eventually they can get those big big sales and right succeed no exactly (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that definitely covered a lot of the ones that I had questions on. Um, gluten-free, like, I know what gluten-free means, but mm-hmm. do you know why people hate gluten so much right now? Like, <sighs> it's just wheat, right? It's, it's literally, it's just a protein that's, that's most commonly found in wheat, and they put gluten-free on everything. Like, I've seen gluten-free on things that don't even have gluten in them, like, normally. Mm-hmm. and people freak out about it because they're like, yeah, you know, I want I want this gluten-free ice cream. It's like, you do realize what you're buying, right? Like, it's ice cream. There's no gluten in it. And so it's 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 one of those things. It's just it's creating the false conception of, like, if that label was never on there, they wouldn't have thought twice about it. But because the label's on there, it creates this, like, oh, I didn't even know it was in there. I guess I better buy this one, which yeah. is dangerously toxic to to our education. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. I also, I don't understand, like, I know that there are people with celiac disease that legit need gluten-free stuff because Mm -hmm. it's an allergy. Like, that's, that's a real thing. But why, why is the rest of the world concerned about, like, is, is it supposed to be like it, it's bad for you? Is it like a weight loss thing? Like, why, why do we care if it's gluten-free unless you're allergic? Unless I've missed something, I mean, I've I've done a decent amount of research on the gluten free issue. It should only be a concern for people with celiac disease. Like, there is nothing to suggest that it's unhealthy, that it's causing weight issues, that it causes like the, like you can be like you can become allergic to it. Like nothing like that. It's all just for the celiac disease people. But I think somebody saw it one day and was like, "Oh, it doesn't have gluten, and the gluten must be bad for me." And they just started spreading that. Cute. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of how, how the world goes. Um, yeah, you saw the same thing happen with, with hormones and, and antibiotics and all that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other, like, big labels that, like, you've noticed that maybe I've skipped over that you're, you're kind of hoping to talk about or hoping to spread some light on for people? Uh, the, the three big ones that I always hear about um, are, are hormone-free, antibiotic-free, and GMO-free. And then pesticide-free is kind of in there, too. Okay. Um, pesticide-free tends to be more closely associated with uh, organic, but that one's kind of like, that's its own thing. Um, the, excuse me, the three that I mentioned, the, the GMO-free, the organic, or the hormone-free, and the antibiotic-free, those three big ones are pretty much just exactly what we've been talking about. I don't know if you've ever seen those labels anywhere. Yeah, uh, I have. I have seen all of them. We talked about GMOs and my opinions of them in our last episode. And mm-hmm. the quick recap is I love GMOs. They should be in everything. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as far as like the pesticide free, the antibiotic free, hormone free, all that kind of stuff. Again, it's it's the I, it's it's funny we talk about this right before we started recording. Um, my roommate was making soup, and him and I were talking about because he had like these two cans of soup, and he was telling me he's asking me to tell him the difference between them, and I was explaining them to him, and one of them said um, that the I think it was the chickens because it was chicken noodle soup. The chickens um, in one of the cans were raised without any antibiotics ever, and the other one didn't have that label, and he was like, "Oh, I'm going to use the ones that were raised with antibiotics," and I was like. That's not what that means. They, they, it's very possible that neither of them had antibiotics ever. It's just that that one didn't label it that way. Mm-hmm. And we had this whole discussion about it. And I was talking about how there's this false conception that, you know, if it says antibiotic free, that means that anything that doesn't have that label has antibiotics in it. And people are always scared of like, oh, if I eat something that has antibiotics, I'm going to get resistance to it. And then it's going to cause all these super bug issues and all this kind of stuff. Well, I understand that concern that that logic is just not there. Um, when it comes to the slaughter process, whenever we slaughter animals for every animal that that is slaughtered and and turned into a product to be consumed by humans, there's a withdrawal period that they have to go through to have all the antibiotics out of their system. It depends on the animal. It's shorter for some and longer for others. Like for cattle, it's I think 90 days. They have to have 90 days of not having any antibiotics in their system before they're allowed to be slaughtered. Because if they have even a a trace of, of antibiotics, that entire uh, carcass just gets canned like it, it cannot be go it cannot go out into the market hmm. um it be it for that exact reason you know they're trying to avoid uh antimicrobial resistance and so that that causes a lot of misconceptions you know people will say like oh i don't want that because it has antibiotics in it well none of it has antibiotics and it. It, it's not possible if it was if it did have antibiotics it wouldn't be on your shelf because that stuff is so closely inspected that they they wouldn't even let it off off the off the kill floor um so that's one of them yeah. Hormones is kind of the, the same thing. I, I don't know if you had a, a comment on that one or not. But. No, I mean, it's just, again, it's one of those things where it's like, I I would think that you would want your animals to be on some amount of antibiotics to keep them healthy and safe. And, you know, like like you said, if if the process is already making sure it doesn't get to you, what does it matter if before that process they ever had it or not? Like it right once once you learn even a little bit about it it's like oh that makes sense i'm good now check right no exactly and it also it's basically forged a new part of the market and this is the this is the big problem with these labels these labels are creating so many different parts of the market that didn't exist before which is good for some niche farmers but it's difficult to compete with when when they're causing all these misconceptions because now you know there's there's a niche for farmers who grow their animals without using antibiotics on them which originally sounded dangerous to me i was like really they're gonna raise their animals without ever treating them for for any kind of disease like that doesn't sound okay eventually i learned that's not what's actually happening usually farmers who do that have a herd who doesn't use antibiotics and a herd who does and then if one gets sick they just move it to the other herd and that's how they mitigate it okay basically they're they're antibiotic free until they need an antibiotic and then you switch teams Pretty much. It's like, yeah. it's like basically which of these can last the longest without having to get sick. Like yeah. that's essentially the, the mentality behind it, which makes a lot more sense to me. But that makes sense. Yeah. And so then yeah, we so that, talk about hormone free as well. Yeah. So the hormone free one is one that gets me a lot. Um, as I'm sure, you know, all food that you eat has hormones in it. Okay. 
so that's kind of just that that's just a product of the fact that we eat living things and all living things have hormones in them of some shape you know way shape or form um most often you see the hormone free stuff on meat and milk because those are the two most prominent in in the united states it's never been legal to use artificial hormones because that's the big thing about it is it's not that it's hormone free completely because it's not possible to get all the natural hormones out of that meat and out of that milk is that there's no added hormones to it. It's the same thing with the sugar. Okay. Um, so when you see like hormone-free milk, it just doesn't have any uh, BT, uh, oh, what's the, uh, RBST. RBST is, is a synthetic hormone that causes cows to produce more milk at a faster rate. Um, and it was banned in April 2018 because people were so scared of having hormones in their milk that they, they basically voted for it to be banned, which really hurt the dairy industry for a while, but they've, They've bounced back. They're fine. Um, but not being able to use that hormone really raised the question of, you know, why are we allowing hormones into our food? And that question is is not a matter of, you know, why are we allowing hormones into our food? It's a matter of why are we adding hormones to our food? And it's not that we're adding it to the food. It's that we're adding it to the animal that's producing the food. And in most cases, we're not even doing that. Um, with the dairy example, yes, we were using RBST for a long time because it produced more milk, which is a really, really nice feature to have. For beef cattle and for uh, chickens, it's never been legal in the United States to give them growth hormones. Um, and so, like, cause there's always people like saying, like, you know, they, they give growth hormones to chickens to make them fatten up before they slaughter them. That's never been legal in the United States. Anyone who's doing that is doing it illegally. And if the inspector catches that, then they're not going to let them on, on the market anyway. So if you do eat any chickens with, with hormones in it, I'd be very surprised to find that out. Okay. Um so that's kind of the big thing with hormones is that, you know, they naturally have, have hormones in them because they're living things and they don't have any hormones in them by the time you eat them because either they're all, they're all out of their system, just like the antibiotics, or it wasn't legal to put them in there in the first place. So the, the, the hormone free label just kind of creates that, that false conception once again. Yeah. I feel like the, the big like rumor that I heard around hormones, and this was like quite a few years ago was that basically we put hormones into the animals to, like you said, make them produce more milk and make them like, you know, fatter and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then basically because we eat it, we drink it. Like now kids are developing like quicker and like maturing at an unreasonable rate and things like that, which didn't make sense to me at the time. Is there any like, is there even any remote scientific backing to like, if you eat something that did have an enhanced hormone that it's going to affect your or your children's growth rate? I'm not going to say that there's none, but I haven't seen any. And like I said, I, I've done, I've done the research and I'm going to do some more on it, but I haven't seen any that has suggested that to be the case. Um, what I would like to suggest as a, as a counter argument to why that's happening, because I acknowledge that it's happening you know, like my girlfriend was, was saying that, you know, 13 year old girls now look very different than how she looked when she was 13. I acknowledge that that's, that's a thing that, that is, that is happening, but there's other causes for it as well. You know, uh, the beauty industry, you know, makeup and, and clothing have, have evolved quite a bit uh, mm -hmm. over the past few years. Um, I think that's part of it. I think that as a species, we're, we're evolving at, at a faster rate than we have been. Like we're, we're a lot more, um, we're a lot more stable as a species. Like we've evolved to, to, to endure a lot more, uh, physically. And like, you know, we, over time, obviously we, we pick the best mates to, to produce the next generation. And so our, our offspring are always going to be more attractive. That's just kind of like a fact of, of how things are. Um, and like, if you think about it, like way back in, in the days, like, like in Rome, they had like six year olds that were going to war. Like they had a very advanced race of humans, obviously that we, uh, lost somewhere along the way because of, of our selective breeding, I think it's possible we're just getting that back. I think it's possible that we're just breeding more, you know, like we're breeding kids that just mature faster. Now, I'm not going to say it's impossible that the added hormones are having some kind of impact on that, but we haven't seen that go, go down at all since the since the ban of, of milk hormones. So I don't know if that's the case or not. It's just kind of, like I said, I haven't seen the evidence, but if, if it comes out that that's the case, I'm not going to deny it by any means. Yeah. I, okay. That, that makes sense to me. I, like I said, it didn't, the argument didn't make that much sense, but it's like, okay, mm -hmm. there's, I, I can see why you would think that. Um, but yeah, to me, it makes a lot more sense that it's social, it's cultural. And like you said, however many years ago, like 13, 14, that was prime marrying age. Like mm -hmm. 
people people were having kids when they were 15, 16. So the idea that a 15, 16 year old is hitting maturity is not actually that like weird. Like that that is mm-hmm. kind of historically how humans have been. So Yeah. No, exactly. So I hope that kind of answered. I mean, that's yeah. that's all I have on on the on the uh, labels issue. I hope that kind of answered all your questions. Yeah, it absolutely did answer all of my questions this time. <laughs> However, you awesome. still have a question to answer from last time I was on, which is right. where do boneless wings come from? So actually, I, I promised you in the last episode I would go do research and get back to you, and I did my research, and I am back. Um, we are here. Uh, so the definitive answer is a lot less exciting than I was hoping it was going to be. Um, okay. I was hoping there's going to be like some full process to taking bones out of the wings or something. There's not boneless wings are just chicken breasts that they're calling wings. Oh, they just cut it into the shape that they want it to be in and, and call it a day. Pretty much. Like it's, it's just a matter of, again, it's a false advertising thing. You know, they're, they're saying that they're wings and, and really they're just a different cut of the chicken that they needed for that. Like, like chicken nuggets are, are another example of that kind of thing. Like they're not like, there's no cut of the chicken that's actually a nugget. They just take a wing and, or do they take a, a breast and turn it into whatever they need it for? Wait, wait. So boneless chicken wings and chicken nuggets are the same thing, just with different breading? Uh, I, I would I, I would assume so, yes. When I was reading about it, it said the chicken nuggets are taken from, like, basically, like, the, the, the breasts of, like, chickens are just used for a lot of different cuts. And so it, it's it's very possible that chicken wing, or boneless chicken wings and chicken nuggets are basically just the same. They're the same meat. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense to me, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that I have an answer. I'm glad it's not, you know, they're breeding boneless chickens in the bottom of some lab <laughs> somewhere. Um, no, definitely not. It's just a false advertising thing. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, I mean, that's not the worst false advertising they could be doing. No, they're definitely not telling you that you're going to die if you eat GMOs. That's always good. Yeah. No. Yay, yay GMOs. Yay. <laughs> just... Yeah, go so go back, did... listeners, and listen to my other episode, and you can hear about how much I support GMO and the movement <laughs> to improve our food through genetic modification. Yes, that's always the topic that we support on this podcast. It's a fantastic science. Yes, yes. So you did have another question for me that we talked about over on your episode. Actually, I think before we started recording your episode um, about daylight savings time. Yes, so my political hill that I will live and die on is that I don't like daylight savings time. It's annoying. I don't like it getting dark early. Um, and I don't think we need it. And I have one friend who frequently retorts with, but the farmers benefit from it and the farmers need it. And we want to support farmers. So we should keep it. So Brendan, (laughs) do farmers need daylight savings time? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. <laughs> why? Why do we think that they do? Why Why have we done this to ourselves? I wish I knew. Like, I, I've heard that since I was a little kid, that we need daylight savings time for, for the farmers. That's never been true. Like, I mean, maybe way back in the day, like way, way long time ago, but we have lights now. Like, I don't know who... I don't know who who came up with daylight savings time and if they ever worked on a farm, but farmers work 24 hours a day. Like they're constantly out there working. They don't care if it's, if it's in the middle of the night, if it's early in the morning, if it's in the middle of the day, whatever, they're out there working. They don't care what time it is. It doesn't matter to them that the day changes. They're just out there doing their thing anyways. I personally am on, on, I'm on your side. I don't think the daylight savings time is particularly useful for anything. I've had people in the past say like, Hey, you know, shouldn't we save it to help out your farmer friends? And I'm like, they're going to be outside anyways. Who cares what time it is? That's always what I kind of thought. Like farmers, the the classic is like up with the sun, mm-hmm. you know, down, down it when the sun goes down. So why do they care if that sun says five o'clock or four o'clock or six o'clock or whatever? Like, yeah, sun's no, up, get out there, right? Right. Like I've, I've gone to work with, with dairymen um, at, you know, four or five in the morning before the sun comes up and you know we go and we go and milk cows we go and feed we go to do all all that kind of stuff it comes for daylight savings time and now it's getting it's getting bright at like six in the morning we go out there and work and it's like it doesn't make a difference on our day we're still going to do the same routine we we were doing anyways just now we can see a little bit better i guess but 
it's not like farmers are going to stop working because it got it got dark. Like they still have to get stuff done. Okay, so if I ever run for president under the platform of getting rid of daylight savings time, <laughs> I will have your support, and I won't have the anti-support of a bunch of farmers. <laughs> That's right. I'll I'll be the, the representative of agriculture, and I'll 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 uh, I'll endorse your idea. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, that that definitely answered my questions, both both serious and silly. So I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Excellent. Well, yeah. Uh, w- was there anything else in terms of, you know, any of the topics we discussed or anything that you had more questions about that you wanted me to address? I don't think so. I mean, I think you covered everything that I had thought of. And um, I mean, a lot of it just kind of made sense. I feel like a lot of it was stuff that I kind of suspected anyway, but it's nice mm-hmm. to have that extra like insight as to why it is what it is and what it isn't and things like that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the whole goal is to, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not here to, to, to change anybody's mind, but I'm here to kind of like confirm anything or, or, or deny anything that you might have initially thought about things and just kind of provide a different perspective. And, you know, like I said, I, I do my research, but I could be wrong about a lot of things. Um, so if there's anything that anyone listening or, or even you that, that, you know, anything I said that you're not entirely sure about, I mean, go look it up. And if you find out that I'm wrong, let me know. Like, I, I want to be able to correct any mistakes I make. So. Um, you know, don't take my word for it. Take it, take it with a grain of salt. All right. I can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that the, that, that all the things I want to discuss, I, I think in terms of the, you know, just kind of like a final comment on, on everything, I think in terms of the labeling thing, like you said, when you explain it, you know, logically, if you kind of like follow the logic puzzle behind everything, um, it makes a lot of sense. It's a very, you know, straightforward, common sense kind of conversation. Um, it's just people tend to not realize that just because they don't understand all the all the behind the scenes steps like like, you know, like we were talking about when we started the, the episode, you didn't realize that farmers don't put labels on things that that's an important detail to understand for this conversation to work properly. Um, stuff like that is just kind of left out of the conversation. And so if people understand those things and they they understand, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, they can almost just kind of figure it out for themselves like, oh. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This was banned years ago. Why is this still a label? Or, oh, like, I know that this doesn't have any nutritional benefit. Why am I still paying three times as much for it? Like, right. a, a lot of those things are, are less, you know, it's not that, you know, people are stupid for not knowing them. It's just that you, they're not exposed to it every day. So it's not like we can expect them to know everything there is to know about that kind of stuff. Yeah, nope, that that makes perfect sense to me. And yeah, I, I guess I kind of always assumed that basically some sort of marketing or social commentary you know made it necessary to put a label and then farmers would go okay well we want that label so that people buy our stuff we're going to change this and get that label on Hmm. but if they don't get to say like we want this label or we apply for this label then it i don't know it just kind of is like who who gets to decide then it's weird right yeah at the end of the day i mean the farmer has an impact on it for sure, but the farmer doesn't always choose that. It's, you know, it's, it's if, if, if it's up to the farmers, a lot of those labels wouldn't exist because it just makes their job harder. Mm-hmm. Um, it has provided opportunity for, for new markets to show up. Obviously, the organic market has benefited greatly from it. Um, but also, that's one of the few that the farmer actually does choose that label on there because he has to grow his food a particular way for that label to actually be even viable. Um, there are other farmers who maybe they have large scale operations and they're like, hey, I have a pretty good mortality rate. How about I just have a small herd of cows I don't vaccinate, and if they live, then I can sell them as antibiotic free. And he doesn't sell them like he isn't. He's he's not the one that chooses to have that sticker. He sells them, and he and he gives the buyer the the vet records. If the buyer sees that they're antibiotic free, then they can choose if they want to market it that that way or not. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's really like the farmer doesn't get, and maybe maybe there's a company that wants to buy his product that um it w- could make more money off of that premium they may pay the farmer more for that product if they want to raise it that way. But that doesn't, the farmer doesn't at the end of the day, decide that whether, you know, whether or not that, that, that happens. It's kind of just like an afterthought. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So I hope that kind of clears things up for, for everything you were curious about. It absolutely did. (laughs) Awesome. And as always, if you have any more questions or anything else you're curious about or anything else that comes to mind, then feel free to come up and, 
and ask, shoot me a message or whatever. I can either answer it for you just right away, or we can do a full length episode about it like we are now, just because, you know, it seems like we always have pretty fun conversations. I always enjoy talking to you. You are an absolute <laughs> blast. You're a wonderful host. Um, I'm I'm so grateful that you that you asked to have me back on. Yeah, no, I've, I've said forever that I wanted to bring back some of my some of my best guests, and you were you were definitely high on that list. So it was it was a pleasure. They're perfect. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, if, if you don't have anything else, um, I'd like to give you another opportunity to kind of share your podcast and and you know tell people where they can find you and all that kind of stuff if you'd like. Yeah. So again, my name is Joanne. My podcast is The Turtle Stack. And you can find me pretty much anywhere podcasts are done. You can check out any of my social media links at uh, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, Twitter. I'm The Turtle Stack everywhere I exist. Um, So if you're interested in just kind of learning about random things and insight into people's interests and hobbies, I cover a wide spectrum and Basically, I just invite guests on to share things that they enjoy. Yeah, I, d- I definitely recommend you guys go check it out. She does a great job over there and definitely puts a lot more time into her editing than I do, which I can definitely appreciate. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's a lot of fun to to listen to. And I've, I've been on a couple episodes now, so you guys definitely got to go check it out and and, and hear my uh, overdramatically long ranting about Star Wars Yes, yes. It, it, we just we just recorded that one. It should be coming out either shortly before or shortly after this episode. And I highly recommend take, giving it a listen. Either way, I'll be sharing it around a ton around the time this episode comes out. So you guys will have full opportunity to go hear it. And I'm I'm excited for you guys to listen to it because as you guys have heard with the last episode from last week and with episodes in the past, I'm a massive Star Wars nerd and I'll take every opportunity to talk about it. And so Joanne here gave me a whole hour, which was way too much because I will just keep going. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is a lot of fun. So I definitely recommend you guys go check her out. I'll put all of her links down in the description as usual, and I'll share her stuff around around the time this episode comes out. Um, you guys know I've been doing my shout outs on Fridays. I'll be shouting her out uh, in a couple of days from, from when this is posted. So you guys can go check all of her stuff out. Um, but yeah, so if, if you don't have anything else for the audience, I think that that's all I have. Nope, that's it. Thanks. Thanks for your time and thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks again for for coming back. It's always a pleasure. I hope all of you enjoyed the episode. It was definitely a lot of fun and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, thank you again to our guest and and to all of you who are tuning in. And uh, thanks for you know all the support that you guys give on every on every episode. Thanks again to Faith for for donating to this podcast. Uh, you know a, a monthly subscription, which again is not necessary or ob- or obligatory, but I greatly appreciate it all the same. Thanks again to our sponsor Anchor and and uh, you know all all the that you do in terms of financial investment of this podcast. And um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. So I hope to hear from you next week. And don't forget, if you wait today, thank a farmer. <laughs>